Do you feel that you are a leader or a follower? I want to begin by telling you that you have leadership qualities within you. And very often, they're not being actualized. There's a big misnomer, a mistake made. People think leaders are born or made, they have certain qualities and certain virtues. That may be true, but the fact of the matter is that there's a leader within each one of us. Everyone has within them something unique to contribute. So please join me in the seventh and last part of our series, Seven Weeks to a Better You. Leadership. And it's all connected to another word that is important to always remember. The word is called dignity. It's more than a word. It's the feeling of dignity, of nobility, that you are unique, that you have something to contribute. Somewhere in this world, in your corner of the world, where you can and must illuminate and warm and contribute in ways that nobody else can. And that makes you a true leader. Please join me. Hi, Simon Jacobson here, and this is the, the seventh and last part of our series, Seven Weeks to a Better You, Leadership. This program is dedicated in honor of Cyril Golasa and her new venture, Rise, mentoring women to start their dream businesses and rise to their fullest potential. So after we've gone through six weeks of... Uh, of the seven-part series, Seven Weeks to a Better You, the six weeks covering the six features, personality, character traits, love, discipline, compassion, determination, humility, bonding, connection. And now we come to the seventh part, which we're calling leadership. But really, I would also associate it with dignity, nobility, a sense of majesty. Now, this is a very interesting and maybe the most important of all the seven, and that's why it comes at the culmination. Why? Because a person could have love in their lives, they could have discipline, they could have all the others, compassion, I'll, I'll repeat them again, determination, humility and bonding, connection. Those excellent. Without that, you cannot be a complete person. But if you don't have dignity, if you don't sense that you have something unique and special, something to contribute, that you and only you can contribute, then those attributes ultimately will not truly be actualized. Because you won't have that confidence, that, that element of sensing that, why am I doing it all? So let's talk about this. Now, the word leadership is a very uh, interesting word. I would even say a confusing word. Because for many people, they think leadership, okay, they think in terms of political leaders, business leaders, academic leaders, religious leaders, sports leaders. You know, there's some people who just have that quality. They uh, evoke a sense of authority. I should say they project a sense of authority. They evoke a sense of respect. And they know how to lead. It's, while it's true that not everybody is a leader 
in a community or a leader of their particular corporation or entity or organization or whatever the entity we're talking about. But what we're going to learn here is that you have, a, as a birthright, an inherent part of you that is called in Hebrew malchus, that you're a king, you're a queen, you're a prince, you're a princess. You have something that is absolutely leadership quality. And it's not a matter of how many people you lead, it's a matter that you have something to lead and, and give, not just to take. So if you ask the question, are you a leader or a follower, many people say, it's not so comfortable to say I'm a follower, but many will say I'm a follower. Someone else leads, leads the way, I'll go along. But in truth is, there's something that you have to lead in that is only you can lead and no one else can. And I would say always, but especially in our generation, often that part of us has been concealed, I would say even beat up and undermined. Because when you grow up in a home or an environment or a, or a society that decides to project upon you, I would say even impose upon you, their own standards, and not let you be yourself and spread your own wings, then what happens is you become, some call it becoming a pleaser, a conformist, trying to make others happy, to fill other people's expectations, and never really discovering your own voice. So in many ways, this is all about discovering your own personal voice. So let's talk about this. There are no two people on this earth that look alike. Even identical twins are not exactly alike. That's even looks. In personality, there are no two personalities that are alike. And there's a reason for that. It's not just a physical thing. It's also a mission-oriented thing. If you, for example, wanted to build a, a, a magnificent mansion or, or some, any other project, a film, a business, and you need a team, you need many different people, so what do you do? You seek out and you recruit different talents. You're not going to recruit two people to do the same job. You may recruit a team to do the job, but they, you don't want them overlapping. Well, overlapping may not be the right word. You don't want them to replace each other. You may need someone managing. You may need someone who's more experienced. Bottom line is every piece of the puzzle has to be accounted for. And you don't want two of the same because what they'll do is they'll just have conflict. So everyone has their role. The, the wisdom, the genius of management is understanding that each person has a unique role and how they each complement each other. And our best example is always nature. General nature and even our very human body. What's a healthy body look like? It has hundreds, thousands of parts, millions, billions, trillions of cells, but each one is playing its role. So on one hand, there's a tremendous multitude of diversity. On the other hand, there's a complementation, a coordination, not just accommodation, an interconnectivity that's fascinating. And the same thing in the larger nature, the larger world. And that's the beauty of it all. It's a harmony within diversity, as we've discussed in week three. That each thing has its unique role, and it has to play that role. It cannot be replaced by another. And at the same time, that paradoxically allows it to work with all the others. Look at an orchestra. Producing a beautiful symphony with a conductor. 
different instruments, different musicians, each one playing at their particular place. But together, it creates that beautiful harmony. And the same as anything that is a, a healthy organism, a healthy ecosystem, healthy system in any form, that's always going to be the feature. Different parts, but each one necessary. That's the critical point, each one necessary. They say that when Mozart presented one of his, one of his uh, concertos to the Archduke of Austria, so the Archduke, who thought he was a musical connoisseur, says to Mozart, beautiful, but far too many notes. Far too many notes. And Mozart purportedly responded, yes, your majesty, but not one more than necessary. A, an architect builds a magnificent mansion, a magnificent palace. And then others come and say, hey, you know what, this room, unnecessary. Maybe we change this, we change that. That's someone who doesn't understand the, the complex and the nuances of the puzzle, of the jigsaw puzzle. And the same is true in life. But let's take it back to each one of us. This is something that is not really taught us because so much of our, our systems are built on conformity. In many ways, our uniqueness is beat out of us. Think of school. School, generally speaking, unless you have a private tutor who really appreciates your unique self and sensitivity, you're in a classroom with 20 students, 30 students. Now people are talking to make smaller classrooms which provides a better education. And I taught classes, and I know the fact of the matter is you can't put all the time in each individual, so you have to create certain general principles where everybody follows. So in general, that's not bad. It's important for people to also be part of a team, feel they're part of a group. But often what's lacking is, what's compromised is the individuality. So all very often teachers or education systems will say this, Every class has the top of the class, let's say the top 5%, the smartest, most creative. You have the lowest 5%, and then you have the middle average. And the focus is usually on that middle ground. That's why excellent students or poor students often fall out of the system or don't feel catered to or get bored or feel frustrated. So it's just, it's just a fact. I'm not coming to comment now what we should do about it and so on. Even at home today, especially with two working parents, many children growing up don't have that attention that they need to help cultivate their individuality. And then when parents say, oh, I want them to, my child to be a doctor, a lawyer, or anything, a career, and the child happens to be a very creative child that's not looking to become something in the physical sciences, but someone far more artistic, what happens? There's going to be a clash. Very often parents will not allow or even, or even be impediment to a child spreading its wings and singing its own song. And it's not always malicious. So parents can mean well. And parents think they know what's best. So how much of our individuality has been somewhat suffocated in our lives? And this can go down to even areas, let's say you're a, voracious, a child is a voracious reader. And parents, whatever, they don't want the child to be reading so much, or other things like that. The list goes on. So what very often happens is as we grow older, parental pressure, school pressure, peer pressure, social pressure, 
altogether accumulate to one heavy pressure, not allowing you to discover the leader, the malchus, the dignity within you. When a mother looks at her newborn child, cradling the child to her chest, and stares at the child, and the child stares back, that's dignity. The mother is conveying to the child, with words or with no words, I love you unconditionally. No matter what happens in life, know that you're special, and I am here for you to help you become yourself. That's the message that cultivates and nourishes the seventh attribute that we're discussing. So leadership is an outgrowth of that. I was even thinking, should we title it leadership? Should we title it dignity, nobility? Leadership is an outgrowth, which is not just being a leader in a technical sense. It means that you feel that you have something to lead, to guide, to direct. But what's also interesting here, that it also turns over on its head the whole concept. Many people see leaders as being the most ambitious, maybe sometimes even the most arrogant. The ones that don't take no for an answer. They are relentless. Leadership has another most important quality, healthy leadership, and that is humility. So this brings us back to this seventh attribute, which in Hebrew is called malchus, has a power of humility. Now, even though we associate humility with hoid, which was week five, and we'll talk about that a little later when we talk about the, the hoid, the, the humility within leadership, but malchus is identified not by the quality of humility, but it's, it's, it defines the very essence of being a leader. Now you'll say, one second, a leader needs to be, have the opposite. If you're too humble, you're not going to lead. And yet we find that Moses, the greatest leader of them all, and the first leader of them all, the humblest man that walked on earth, that's what the Bible says. So let's explain what that means. So the Zohar, the classic mystical text called the Zohar, uses an expression on the moon, and the moon associates with this quality of malchus, of leadership, nobility, dignity, as we'll see in a moment. That the moon does not have anything of its own. Simply means it doesn't have any light of its own. The moon is reflecting the sun. Not like a mirror, that's why it doesn't look like the sun. But the moon is essentially, has no light of its own, and it reflects the sun. And when the angle is the right way, we see a full moon would be the 15th day of the Hebrew month would be when the angles are set like a right angle. So the sun is here, the moon is here, the earth is here. And the different phases the moon goes through is basically the angles and the direction that it is reflecting the sun to earth. Now the moon is always a full moon when it's directed to the sun. The question is whether we on earth see it that way. But that's, an aside, that's a side point. So what does that mean in psychologically speaking? It means that when you empty yourself, and you are a receptor, a receptacle, a receptor absorbing something greater than you are, a light that's beyond you, that is essentially malchus. So true leadership is not about how much power you have and how much influence you have. That's an outgrowth of the fact that you are in a place where you are the people you're leading or the people you're guiding, you're absorbing them. What does that mean? You're not absorbing their needs. It's like they say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You care about them. It's sensitivity. So ego and arrogance goes against that. Now, the fact that there are leaders, whether they're war leaders or political leaders or other leaders that are not that way, are far from humble. 
So that, does, that will only tell you they may be efficient leaders, but they're not true leaders. What we're talking about is discovering that unique side within you and within others. So ultimately, why would somebody listen to another person? Why would someone listen to a leader? Either out of fear, or out of desperation, or out of just laziness. I don't know what to do, so I'll let someone else just lead the herd mentality attitude. Or, and that's the ultimate, because you love the leader. Because the leader you see is not in it for themselves. They're in it for the cause. They're dedicated to a cause greater than themselves and dedicated to you, the, the, I don't want to say the follower, to the people that they lead. So interestingly, as you go move away from your own self-worship and egocentricity, you actually reveal that unique part of yourself. You would think a unique part of yourself would make you more, uh, more arrogant or more self-consumed. No. Discovering the unique part of yourself is not a contradiction because the unique part of you, like I said earlier, is actually interconnects and interacts with everyone else. People who are very secure and comfortable in their own skin, the ones that coexist best with others. So going back to the analogy of nature or the human body or the orchestra, you know your mu music, you know your song, you know your instrument, you play it well. That doesn't make you more difficult to work with the others. On the contrary, if you didn't know who you are, then you start going to an identity crisis. Maybe that person is taking away, stepping on my toes, on my turf. Maybe they're taking away my opportunity. But when you are, know what you are good at, it actually cre it creates a humility. And the other way around as well, when you're humble and discover yourself, then you know how to work with others and it creates that harmony. That is true leadership. So leadership is far more broader and far deeper than we usually think of it. And when you're able to access and develop that part of yourself, then you are going to lead. People will look at you and they will learn from you. Now, does that mean you'll be a leader of a country, of a nation, of a, a company? Maybe, maybe not. That's a, that, there's other qualities necessary for man. Not everyone's a good manager. Not everyone's a good administrator. Not everyone's a good stress strategist. But what it will do is it will create that you have a unique light a unique song, a unique voice to contribute to this world. In different terms, it's discovering your mission. So you see, when you look at the first six attributes, they all are critical. But what they're lacking is, toward what end? Where is love going toward? Discipline, compassion, drive, determination, humility, bonding, connection. And the answer is it's to fulfill the mission. So in Kabbalistic and mystical and Hasidic language, the six, the six earlier emotions or attributes or virtues, character traits, all funnel into the seventh one, into the moon. And, the, and, this, and this level of dignity arises and emerges. The dignity that you, are, that you matter now and forever, that you have something indispensable to contribute. Not one thing, many things. But for that, you have to discover that part of yourself. So in very simple terms, if you're not feeling that way, that means your malchus, this seventh feature, is not fully developed. So in your journal or in your notes or however you're documenting this, ask yourself, where do you stand? How, how valuable do you think you are? Some people will say, I think I'm nobody. One grain of sand on a beach, one speck 
of humanity amongst 8 billion people? Who cares? I'm negligible. And especially if you've been trained to think that we're just biological accidents. You know, what difference does it make? Yeah, there are a few people in my life that care about me, my people who love me, my family, my co-workers, people that, that value me some way. But in the big scheme of things, like I often ask, and I've many times in my programs and classes, do you think you really matter? And I don't just mean arbitrary matter, that you matter to a few people, like I said before, circumstantial. Many people say, do I matter? You know, they, 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 they smile, they, yeah, well, of course. But let's re- let me rephrase the question to drive the point home. If you were never born, would it make a difference to anybody? On a cosmic level, do you matter? Not once you're here, you justify your existence. Oh, that's a bigger question. And many people say, no, I don't know if on that level I really matter. So I'm here to tell you that's absolutely and unequivocally wrong. The malchus within you, the seventh quality, the dignity, the nobility, the leader within you, dictates that you absolutely matter. And not just to you, but to the entire existence, to the entire universe, to all people, to the entire cosmos. Because like I said before, if your musical note is not played, your instrument is not played, everybody is compromised. And as well as you need everyone else as well. So this seventh state is the question is, do, how much do you feel that you matter? And how much are you accessing and, and actualizing that part of you that's unique? And if the answer is zero, from one to ten, zero or one or two, that's what we need to cultivate. And that's the focus of this week. To cultivate that sense of self, of confidence. But not in the arrogant way, the exact opposite. A sense of service, a sense of purpose. A dedication to something greater than you are. And that's what lifts you up. Arrogance is like sugarcoating. For the moment, they make you feel, oh, you know, I'm special. We're talking about a true specialness, a quiet dignity that does not have to step on anyone, that doesn't have to even loudly go out and scream on the rooftops, hey, I matter. It's just a deeper inner sense. And you see it in people. There's a certain calm. I mentioned before being comfortable in your own skin, certain sense of serenity, but there's a firmness in it. And you feel I can contribute. And, but again, it's not in a way I'm coming to you and say, hey, you know something, I have something to contribute to you. It comes through osmosis. It comes through just being yourself. Be yourself. So in essence, what it really means is that you're committing to something greater than you are. That's what makes you special. Why do you think you're really unique? Not because you are unique, because you were put here with a reason. Like I mentioned with the architect and the building or Mozart and the compositions. Every note is necessary. You are necessary. You're a piece that is absolutely necessary. And when you submit to that, I would even say surrender to that in a good way. That fills you up with that sense of purpose. When we say in the morning, and this is a great exercise for this week, for all the time, but especially this week. In the morning, the meditation I often point out, modani, I acknowledge and thank you for returning my soul to me, for give, renewing my contract, for making me indispensable, for giving me my mission, my calling. This is acknowledging the malchus, the dignity, the nobility, the leader within you. And this in turn empowers you and your unique soul to shine, to illuminate. It's a responsibility as well as a gift. 
So gauge, ask yourself, where do I stand in this regard? From one to 10, from zero to 10. And then work on it. And how do you work on it? First of all, surround yourself with people that support. Ask friends, ask people that care about you. Find a mentor. What, what are my strengths? Where, I, where could I work on? What can I contribute? Don't be afraid to ask that question. Secondly, act. You don't have to have it all fully developed. Do something today, every day. But start today. That contributes, not just what you're taking, not just how you're following others, not just how you're reacting to someone else, but being proactive. Take initiative. That's what dignified, noble princes and princesses do. That's leadership. It takes initiative. You don't wait. Oh, when someone does something, then I'll react. No, you take initiative on a small level. It could be reaching out to someone who, who may need a kind word. It may be giving some charity. Anything that's giving, that's transmitting, is part of this process. And dignity breeds dignity. When you behave in a dignified way, it will bring more dignified acts. So there's doing it behaviorally through actions. There's also doing it working on yourself and just coming to discover that I really matter. I have something to contribute. Now, it's not so easy, especially if you've been beat up in life. If, if there are disappointments, if you've been told time and again that you're worthless, even if the words weren't said, but you feel that way. Many just people just don't feel that they have value. They don't feel anyone cares. They don't feel they deserve love. They don't deserve happiness. So that needs to be worked on. But identify it, because awareness of a problem is half the cure. So this is the first and most important steps necessary in cultivating and developing the nobility, the dignity, the leader within you. And it's fascinating work and enriching work. But to be complete, it needs the other six as well. And that's why it's preceded by the six. So there's the seven within each seven. So now let's go over the seven attributes within malchus, within dignity, within leadership, within nobility. So the first begins with love. The love within. Now, as I said before, when you're loved by parents, by others, Love cultivates, engenders, nourishes, nurtures the dignity within you, the leadership within you. So love is a critical component. The love within leadership. Both the love you receive, but then there's another side. The love that is included in your dignity. That you become a more loving person. So there's a requirement when a person is leading others. And again, I don't mean necessarily the leader of the biggest leader. I mean in any small way. It's not just a technical thing. There's a feeling of love to the people that you are guiding or the people that you're teaching or the people that you're educating. There's an expression, who is the wise person? One who learns from every person. In the Pirkei Avot, in the Ethics of the Fathers. Which means every person has something to learn and every person has something to teach. So when you are giving off, exuding a living example, it's done with love. So it's both the love that shapes the leadership and the dignity and is the love within it that's part of making you a healthy leader that also loves those that you're leading or those that... And that's part of dignity. A dignified person is not just a dignified person in an isolated way. You'll see there's a kindness, a giving aspect to them. Then there's the discipline. 
the discipline leader is very clear because when you're going to have dignity or you're going to in any way guide or lead others, it has to be with a, with a plan, with a structure, with discretion. In some areas, you need to give space to others and there have to be boundaries. There's also in the building of leadership, there's discipline. So even though it's cultivated and nurtured through, through validation and other things parents, educators, and society should be doing for us, but there's also discipline. There's also boundaries. It's not like just spoiling somebody and that's how they become dignified. No, part of dignity is also knowing that there are guidelines. So that's the second, the, the discipline within dignity. The third is the compassion. As we've discussed, compassion is much different than kindness and love. Compassion is a sense of empathy, a sensitivity. There's deeper just that you care, but there's this empathy identifying deeply with those around you. You'll see every dignified person, every person who has that type of noble side to them. There's someone that you can speak to. You feel that they're there, there for you. Now, obviously, everybody has their schedules and times, but I mean to say, qualitative, they're not self-contained. And the same the other way around. The compassion needed to help shape leadership. Good leaders, in the context that we're discussing, were always products of compassion around them. Compassionate teachers, compassionate parents, compassionate friends. Then comes the drive and determination, which I think is almost obvious. Because you'll need that. There are times that there'll be impediments. There are times you may feel not so dignified. You may feel that you don't have what to contribute. So you need to have that determination. But a determination doesn't have to be loud and aggressive. It just means that you don't give up. You see, that's a quality that you find in all leaders, especially in the leaders that we're talking about. There's a certain quiet fortitude and sometimes, frankly, it's not so quiet. If they need to demonstrate it through expression, they will do that. They will not let obstacles and impediments block the way of getting what needs to get done. But then comes the next side, the humility within it. Because a leader can sometimes feel that the means, the end justifies the means, and just let's drive ahead, let's bulldoze. No, there's a humility. Like we said before, the true leader is like Malchus, like the moon. It's absorbing something greater. It's not about you. It's that the cause demands it. And the cause demands the fortitude, the, the tenacity, the determination of four of Netzach, great. But there are times that needs yielding. It needs flexibility. The flexibility within the dignity and within the leadership. And then finally, the, well, not finally, two more. There's the, the sixth is you saw the bonding, the connection. A good leader connects with those around them. They know how to connect. They know how to find that um, bond that they relate, that you feel the person relates to you. And leadership is not something temporary and, uh, or temporal and impermanent. There's a certain per permanence to it. And that's also the yesod, the, the connection, the connection with the leadership. The other way around as well, connection leads to it. When a person has the proper bonding from early age and throughout life, it also feels as, you know, a leader says there's a king is not a king without a nation. 
So the people you're leading also need to connect with you as much as you need to connect with them. And in general, it's about a more permanent and a full, a full eternal type of perpetual connection that is so much part of this leadership. So there you have, my friends, the seventh and the final of the seven, the spectrum of the seven emotions, emotional attributes, going from chesed through malchus, again, love, discipline, compassion, tenacity, determination, humility, connection, bonding, and finally, dignity, leadership, nobility. So in each of the seven within the seven, and the seventh, of course, is the mobility within nobility, I should have mentioned, which is what we began with, analyzing the very dignity that you, where, where do you stand with that? So when you mark it down, you should ask yourself that question. How much love is there in the dignity? How much, how much discipline? How much compassion? Again, from zero to ten. And the same with the next three. Determination. Are there areas where you give up, where you retreat, or you get weak? Humility. Where does that stand? And finally, the connection and the nobility within nobility. And if you, if you evaluate that and give yourself a report card, you'll get a nice picture, a good diagnosis of where you stand. And then you can say, okay, here are the areas I need to strengthen. Some people may have very strong love within that dignity, but they may not have the proper discipline or the other way around. And the same with the others. So my most sincere hope is that I did justice to this this eloquent and ancient, timeless, but also timely system that can help us all become a better you. And with this, we conclude this seven-part series, Seven Weeks to a Better You. All of these programs can be found at MeaningfulLife.com. This has been Simon Jacobson from the Meaningful Life Center. Love to hear your feedback, your thoughts. And please share. Pay it forward. Share it with others. And together... Let us build that symphony. But at the same time, may each of you discover that those seven qualities within yourself, learn to refine them, to enhance them, learn to harness them to become the best you can possibly be. Be well and be blessed. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.